0: Mickey, let's get this ball rolling, man. Sorry for the, the stall, but um, you know what? I just want to ask you, how did growing up in New York influence you as a person and as an artist?
1: I mean, New York City is a diverse melting pot, you know, of uh, a lot of different cultures and a lot of different uh, thought processes. I was lucky enough to kind of uh, venture into the city and interact with different uh, cultures and, and people. And uh, grow more of a worldly mind. I was never confined, like some of my other peers to just the Bronx and just the block. I always wanted to kind of venture out and see different things. Um, so you know, I, I had my, my first apartment at 19 years old. and you know it was pretty pretty early on, right? But, you know, doing that, you know, I was the first of my friends to have, you know, my own place. And the first of my friends to actually get on a plane, right? Like a lot of my friends never at that time didn't get on a plane. I wasn't getting on a train and going to Brooklyn and going to uh, you know, Times Square at the time, Queens. I was traveling a lot just to kinda explore. So I, I was able to pick up on a lot of different nuances of what New York City was and, and put it into my uh, lyrics every every time at that point.
0: And one thing too, like about New York, um, just even from my short time visiting years ago is, I there's this feeling of, of just overall respect. You know what I mean? It's an energy, but I do love the fact that everyone moves along and there's this, you know, there's this element of just respect towards each other. And then I wanna ask you, so when you decided you you got your apartment, you were travel traveling around a little bit more, were there things that you just that surprised you just from being in New York for so long where you're like, oh shit, I haven't seen this before. This is wild, like
1: Well, yeah, I mean, growing up in New York, everybody it's a dog eat dog mentality, so and there's people are stacked on top of each other, so it's not a lot of Good mornings, or hi, how you doing? Because we would we would spend our entire day doing that, And everybody's just in so everybody's in such of a close proximity. So traveling to Miami and to Houston, Texas, was a was a big deal for me to see you know people as young as I was driving. People weren't driving at my age. In new york because the trains and the buses were re- regularly accessible and it was normal to not have a, a car you just jump on the train and it's like okay i'll come by and see you or i'll come by and do this and hang out um so going to different s- s- states the big thing for them was cars and everybody wasn't on top of each other everything was so spread out Everything was much slower, so it was a different pace to see what was going on. And I was able to be privy to these things before, you know, actually experiencing. I was privy privy to these things and experiencing these things before my friends were. And again, that added to my lyricism as well.
0: Well, that's amazing because, you know, I mean, that observation right there is very true because if you're in New York City and traffic is always crazy, it would make a lot more sense to take the subway i mean even in my short time in the bay area just riding on the bart it just made a lot more sense to me instead of driving around because traffic was so bad you know when the city is just so huge and everyone's stacked on top of each other you make a valid point of like yeah it does seem much more convenient just to hop on the train meet up with your friends it's a lot easier and then when you went outside you went to houston texas and you're seeing all of this going on like when you're seeing the car culture, did you notice um, the the correlation too with the music culture of Houston and uh, these other regions too?
1: Um, the car culture in Houston was huge. Um, obviously it was, you know, it was, you know, they were ghost riding the whip at that point. Um, and, you know, there was, it was big trucks. That everybody, you know, was into the, the Escalades Durangos, the Yukons, the, that was the thing to have these big, big trucks and have all of these the space. Um, obviously, the lowrider stuff was a Cali thing, and, and you know, by the way, you know, I used to be in San Francisco all the time. You know, I was a, I was a Bay I was a Bay kid, not a Bay kid, but like when I started to pop in the music industry, I was in San Francisco at least once a month performing. You know, Shattuck Down Low, um, there was a couple other spots that I would, you know, frequent all the time. And I, I was in, I was in San Francisco a lot. So, and I, I know about the BART, you know what I'm saying? Um, definitely the BART is, I think the BART and the Chicago train system are the closest things to New York city's train system. I have a lot of respect for both those systems. It's, you know, and I even considered moving to San Francisco. It's just too expensive. I don't know, maybe because it's Silicon Valley or something, but, Y'all done got out of control up there, man. Um, but I'll be back out there in another week or two with Lupe Fiasco, so I'll be back in the bay soon.
0: Yeah, dude. I, and dude, I completely get it because when we, I I saw a listing in San Francisco for a one bedroom apartment for like a million dollars, and I was just like, this shit is it's insanity to this degree. Like, <laughs> but but also I gotta say, when you were nineteen what you just said was really amazing because to me i'm like so so you didn't have a car but at 19 you had an apartment in new york that's very impressive because dude like it took me some time before i got my place and to, to think about having my first place being in new york and i think about where new york is now as far as their real estate how they clock up their stuff i'm just like oh my goodness so i mean dude you That experience must have been awesome, though, as a young man, when you like gain that independent when you gain that independence at first of, oh, I'm out of my mom's place and I can do what the heck I want. Like that's some that's some pretty interest. That's like an interesting transition, I think, from in any man's life. I mean, you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I wanted to just break free of my parents um, and uh, moving out. For the first time, was 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 unbelievable. Um, Nineteen years old, I had no clue about, you know, de- decor and how to actually, you know, put an apartment together. So it was pretty rough. Uh, <laughs> I knew how to cook, but and I cooked every night and every morning, but you know, it wasn't it wasn't what I have now saying like I was I was just starting out I was at a law firm and it was a very secure job so I was like you know what let me let me let me get my own space man and you know I had my own space at 19 years old and it was uh it was an interesting time right to just kind of be on my own and it was, it was, it was interesting. I I will have to say that it was very interesting.
0: Dude, you were 19 working at a law firm in New York city. I think you, it sounds like you uh, had that bachelor life. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was, you know, I was out here wild. I mean,
1: I was, I was out here wild. I was, I was, I was living that, I was living a, a, a different life because again, you got to think about a 19 year old, you know, having his own place there's no curfew you can do pretty much what you want to do at that age when you're by yourself and you're making money like I was making decent money you know what I mean in 2000 this was 2002 so I was making like at that time $25,000 a year my rent was like 750 a month so you know I was I was all right man I was all right
0: I was all right dude For, and and just living living that getting all that life experience so young do you think that it it helped elevate your writing early on because you were just in like the midst of like such a beautiful melting pot of new york city and then you get outside of it more like do you think it just i don't know kind of a uh, gave you much more aura to your writing yeah um to be able to kind of
1: I mean, early on, I was just kind of following what was popular. So at that time, 50 Cent was popular, gangster Rap was popular, but I was always kind of a lyricist, you know, making sure I, I understood the foundations and the science of lyricism. So I was always trying to, you know, come up with different patterns and different flows. And it wasn't, you know, a lot of it was based around what was already popular because, you know, at that time you had to be tough uh so you know i was writing shit that i wasn't really involved in but i was seeing and then you know after you know kanye pharrell and lupe came out it was like okay and common common really is what made me kind of say okay when he put out b in 5 that's when i said okay i can be myself and, and and be nice lyrically and then it was uphill from that point forward
0: you know what it's really interesting you bring up that album by common because i i really think that album is a i want to say it's my favorite common album I, I common to me i put b at number one i think i put one day it will all makes sense at number two and at number three i put um what is it uh reincarnation i i, I think common has a really solid discography man i'm happy you brought him up um what growing up who were the rappers that uh really influenced you um, and your style um I would
1: say big kane Jay um they they kind of influenced what I was writing um and then a lot of underground artists you know that was coming up so like you know graf cast um I was listening to those guys, Joe Budden, and um, you know I was listening to cr- anything that I could get my hands on that people were kind of just showcasing how great they were. I kind of uh, latched onto it um, from a from a stylistic and foundational standpoint, but once uh, once I saw a comment. Um, I was like, I can be myself and incorporate all of these lyrics into what I'm doing. And that's what made me create the style
0: that I have now. So throughout this time and everything, now th- this leads this up. So you, you've you become, um, I want to say you're, you're a master, you're definitely a master lyricist. And I think a huge piece of this is, um, I, I like to think of you like you, you take, you you have some academic views on rap that i really like one of them being the triangulation method and is it true that you use this method to form entendres and i just want to just kind of ask for a summary about it
1: yeah i created that um that method um i mean I, I obviously everybody else you know they might do uh entendres their way but that's that method is how i create my entendres um And it's pretty easy for me now because, again, I'm a master at entendre. That's what I specialize in. And I think every MC, you know, masters certain things. Um, And I'm very, I'm good at a lot of what MCs do, but I'm a master at entendre and storytelling. So I, I just narrow it and focus my thought process on that as opposed to, you know, what other MCs might do. In terms of a summary of it, I mean... You know it's just a basic triangle you follow this triangle you can create an entendre as well i don't know how good it'll be but you know like you know that's the that's the basic foundation of how i personally do it
0: wow well no thank you so much because um it's really cool like as far as like the way i view rap is at points i've been looking at it um like martial arts and shit and i think that's also like the wu-tang influence you know on me but um I, I do appreciate it when people are open about their methods of writing, you know what I mean? Because I think everybody has their own nuance and their, their their synchronicity that makes them do something. And as far as your storytelling ability, I'm very happy you mentioned that because your your records like Michelle Robinson and Finesse, um, those those records, are, I listen to them and you have plenty more, dude, you have hundreds and hundreds of like, fucking like hitters when it comes to like storytelling records and overall just great rapping and writing but i bring up these two records because um i was listening and what i i liked is i didn't know how i couldn't just figure out how it's going to end man like you surprised me at the end of both of the records with with the story and that's what made me listen i was like oh my god like i didn't see that coming And I want to ask you, when you write, is that something you aim for where you don't want you don't want the listener to just assume what's going to happen and get it right? That's
1: literally uh, that's literally how I write. I don't want I want it. It's like a movie. It's like a thriller. I try to write my stories like a thriller where you don't know what's gonna happen at the end. You just know that this is a great movie that you're watching, you're enjoying it, and you're following the twists and turns. It was like, what's the punchline at the end? What's the uh, what's the metaphor that he's trying to convey? What is the, the basis of this story? And I've been telling stories in, in, in hip hop since I came in, because Michelle Robinson was on the first, uh, in, in, in my first project, In Searching the N.E.R.D. Um, and even, even, uh, there was another record, uh, run to the sun, which is on N.E.R.D. That whole record is basically the sixth sense. You know, I'm talking about, you know, me a girl, uh, looking at a girl and wanting to talk to her, but she can't hear me. She can't see me. I'm dead. Cause I died in a car crash trying to holler at her. Right. So it's like stuff like that. Right. Like, and then even with finesse, I wanted to do something I love that beat. And I was like, I wanna just do something that's I wanna talk about somebody getting finessed. And you know, I approach all my stories differently. Um, so when it comes to even like, you know, the next project that I'm gonna probably start working on this week, Mickey Mouse too, you know, like oh. it's like it's a it's a it's a it's a huge story to tell. And it's a story that's told over this very long process that is engaging on so many different levels but you know somebody's got to do it and I'm I think I'm ready to kind of because I was waiting to get some people to produce original music for it but it's taken way too long and I I'd rather I, I tried to put it in somebody else's hands and I, I just can't I can't get it done in time so I'm just going to do it myself
0: well, you know, big respect to you, brother, because it's that's like that's some mentality like that I think has really just shown how strong you are. Like because you're not waiting on, on someone else's approval. And plus everything you just said, man, the way you describe this project, I'm already excited for it because I love I love stuff that I can listen to over and over again and then I take away something new. And I think we, we as fans too, as hip hop fans we all have albums that we go to and we listen, and we're like, "Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa!" Like there's shit. I think I heard something off like a Lil Wayne album, off the Carter T- Carter Two, off Hustler Music or something. I had to rewind it, and I'm like, "Wait, what did he say?" And it's I've listened to that song for years, and then it, it's taken me like eight years to be like, "Wait, what is that?" That's that is a sign of um, to me of, of longevity and uh, the fact that you're taking your time to create something with that mentality is like, I, it's, I, you can only create diamonds. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, uh, I'm i really excited to start on this thing because my fans are waiting for it. The 10-year anniversary is on March 26th. Um, and I I don't want to let my people down. I don't want to let my supporters down. Um, you know, I really, I wanted to get it out in December, but things just keep coming Things just keep happening that just kind of remove me from finishing and completing this. Bro.
0: I mean, well, you know, well, you know, Mickey, it's like life, you know, is like anything happen in life. And I got to say, I think your fans, because I'm also a fan of you, that L.A. Leakers freestyle you did should hold them over for a bit. You know what I mean? Because. Dude, you fucking bodied the LA Leakers. I, I want to give you a tip my hat off to you, um, except, you know, it's a beanie, but I tip my uh, beanie over to you but, because uh, that LA Leakers freestyle, dude, that shit was masterful what you pulled. Like, I was like, oh my fucking God. Like, what the fuck? Like, what was that experience like? Was that like an outer body experience?
1: Um, You know, those guys, those are my guys, uh, Justin and Sawa. Um, I was in LA, I was, you know, I was on tour with Lupe and I let them know like a week and a half in advance like yo, you know, I'm I'm pulling up on you guys and and they were like, "Okay, you know, this is the time." And uh you know, I had I had the verse written already, but I had to memorize it. So like that whole experience that week in in LA just kind of sitting sitting back and just going over it every day. Then finally getting up there, you know, I brung daylight up there with me that day. That was the first time the LA Lakers met daylight, and you know, me bringing him up there set him up for his uh, his freestyle that he did, his legendary freestyle. Okay. So, you know, me going up there and lacing it like that, man, I wanted to make a statement, you know, and i uh, i gave I gave a lot of people props on that Jane and I just kind of flexed my muscles, you know, metaphorically on that.
0: Well, and, and I think even then you, you, uh, you showcased how well-rounded you are too as an MC, because I saw, I was listening, you were switching your flow up, you were hitting with punchlines, you know, you were displaying all elements as a writer. And, uh, yeah, dude. And plus your metaphor game is A1. We, we all know that. And just what you did, I was like listening and I'm like, I, I don't know. I remember years ago, I was a I feel like hip hop heads and hip hop fans in general, we can be very entitled. We're underappreciative of what artists do. There there are a lot of things that hip hop fans we fuck up on. And I think a big thing I've been noticing now is I think that there's an appreciation for lyricism that is coming back and I, I look at the LA leakers, I see these freestyles being released of you, of uh, Daylight, and I see people kind of having this gleam in their eye of like, oh my God, people are really spitting. And when you mentioned Daylight, I'm very happy uh, you went there because I uh, want to talk about your battle rap repertoire and just off rip, like, um, w- were you just battling In the beginning of your uh, rap career, and you've just always had this muscle, or did you have to build up this repertoire specifically for that battle, or uh, or what? What was it like in the lead up for that battle with Daylight? How did you prepare? Um, I have been battling in
1: the streets of New York, you know, from the late '90s, you know, all the way up until like 2008. Um, you know, I just I've always been that guy um, and I was always in the streets just kind of battling and doing that. Um, for the daylight thing, it was more so, you know, that was something that he wanted to do. And, you know, I obliged and, and you know, I put together some some content that was pretty good um, and I had a great time doing it. You know, I, I, I just think, it, you know, I take the same approach that I did with that. You know, lyrically, on music, I, I, I did the same thing there as well.
0: Well, I, I love that battle because, again, it's just like such a beautiful exhibition of lyricism. And that's the way I look at it because, I like, it's one of those things, it's one of those rap battles where you have to keep rewinding shit. Because you're like, wait, what did he say? Whoa, 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 break this down. I got to Google search something. Like, I, I really appreciate that battle because it was like uh, you, both of you went to the Matrix for that. And um you know your battle rap like there aren't a lot of people in your position who do music who are willing to step into the the battle rap arena like the URLs the king of the dots and and these legit areas of a uh, battle rap and I just want to do you, do you I feel like you doing that kind of puts you in a different place than other MCs
1: Yeah I mean other MCs are not going to try to do that um they just not it's 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 a it's a different experience um, when, when it comes to hip hop and I think when you when you kind of hip hop has a lot of different subgenres, right? Um, you know I tackled EDM early on in my career as an MC. Um, I tackled doing alternative music in my earlier career rapping over dive punk and the academy and, and, and telepop music um and d'angelo like i was rapping over things that mcs weren't rapping over and putting it at a putting putting it out at a high rate um so you know to to be able to go from that then to do storytelling with like a project like mickey mouse it's just like whoa and then from that right do a battle i think there's no mc that's ever done anything like that right and and been able to just kind of mesh these worlds together to create this, this, this gumbo pot of music. Now I was able to do it because I'm, I was, I'm fearless when it comes to that. And I want people to take in the art for what it is. And, you know, I'm not afraid of, if I lose, I lose. It won't have any bearing on my career because I've already solidified something that people will always appreciate and take from me every single day. So, you know, I salute all of the MCs that, that are out there that just kind of uphold the legacy of hip-hop by just putting out content and art and music. But I don't think it's comparable when, when when you look at, you know, I stepped into that battle world and was successful. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't get embarrassed. So, you know, it's something to look at.
0: Yeah, and you're, you're a rare person because, as we all know, like, we, there's this thing about people who say well you know rappers who make music can't battle rap and battle rappers can't make music and all this and that but then you there's you who's breaking the mold and saying nah fuck you i can do both very well and then you have and then, like, you have even other rappers who have stepped into the battle rap arena. You know, some have done well, some have done better than others. But it's clear that with you, it's like you you definitely belong in there. And I always, like I said, compare it to boxing and everything. It's like seeing, a, seeing a, a boxer just come in and it's just a exhibition of amazing technique. And what you and Daylight did, <clears throat> what you've done throughout your career, what, what you've done in battle rap. And music is very spectacular. And I like, and what else too, when you say that you have a well-rounded body of music, I agree, because you also have amazing collaborative projects. One of those projects is the Achievement with Knots. And I want to ask you, was it uh, was it a challenge working with one producer for that album? Or do you feel like it gave you an edge?
1: Uh, it definitely gives me an edge. And I, I prefer to work with one producer every single time. Um, because now the sound stays the same and the theme stays the same. So um, if I could, you know, I like to work with one producer and create this this one-time thing that you're going to get and appreciate and hold on to. Yeah.
0: And I love that project, too, because, you know, you literally, I feel like you sought out every other MC's MC, and you said, no, I want to put you on this record. I wanna I want to work with you almost an effort just to be like yeah I'm I'm that nice. I'll work with all these people. I'll bring Sky Zoo on. I'll bring Daylight. I'll bring all these rappers that have powerful pen games and I'll show you where I'm at. And that's something dude like I wish I would I could see more rappers do because I feel like the 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 fucking thing that can hold anyone back is is ego in this game. Like really it's ego and it's like the fans like like the fans want to see shit like that. They want to see The best working with the best, and and I love that album because it just it's hip hop to its core. And when you when you did warped collages, when you made that album, did you make because it? I noticed the cover art is kind of similar in theme to Hue and Audio Last Will and Testament. Is Warped Collages in a way connected to that project? Uh, Hue and Audio Last Will and Testament, and uh,
1: Uh, I I use the same. I used the same uh, graphic designer, and uh, it was both, like, you know, I wanted a collage of me and my son, and then the first album, you know, I mean, the work up Collages was basically me and P.A. Dre, and we put together a masterpiece, in my personal opinion. Um, and then the the, the, the Hue record was, uh, that was me pulling from different artists and creating this sound um, that people you know enjoyed it just wasn't promoted as heavily as I would have liked it to be um but um the graphic design kind of has a little bit of a resemblance mostly due to you know it being this thing right this 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 project about my son
0: you know what I'm saying and listening just from a listener's perspective you know, um, because I, I always love talking to the artist and exploring and picking the brain because I think listeners inter- interpret things differently. And even though, even if you didn't try, I listened to both these projects and I'm like, there, there seems to be like a, a full circle connection in a way, because a lot of the topics that you're talking about, they're very personal. You know, you're talking um, on Warped Collages, you talk a lot about your personal life, you talk about um, your relationships with your woman, you you go through all these things. And then on Hugh, you talk about your son uh, like heavily throughout the project and it's almost like you're trying to provide guidance. And I really liked it because it's almost like you're showing your evolution as a man You're like, okay, I've grown this much, and now I want to pass this knowledge down to my son. Now, this leads me to my question. Um, When you created Hue and Audio, Last Will and Testament, did you make it with the intention to play for your son once he gets a bit older? And if if not, would you do that?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I wrote the project in three days. Um, Whoa. Yeah, I wrote it in three days. And... It's a it's a last one in testament because I want him to hear it when he gets older. In the event something happens to me, if I pass away, like I, I dedicate that album not only to my son, but all fathers, as well as Chris Rivers. You know, looking at Chris Rivers and his father was big pun. And, you know, he had to grow up without his dad in a lot of his older parts of his life. So I decided that I wanted to create something that, you know, my son could not only just listen to my whole, you know, catalog but he could he could listen to Hugh. And that's my love letter to him.
0: Wow, man. That's, that's very beautiful. And, um, you bringing up, uh, Chris Rivers, that's a, that's, that's a good shout out because, uh, big pun, dude, the way big pun impacted hip hop, um, in the, in the time he was here was tremendous. And, uh, he's, he's a legend actually recently did a, a legends podcast about him. And, um, Chris Rivers is a hell of an MC. He seems like a hell of a good person, and just, yeah, I could only imagine. You know what I mean? Your father is one of the biggest hip hop stars in the world, and then you lose him, and then you're in the hip hop game now, and there isn't that. That that must be a tough feeling, you know. Um, and you know, just throughout you know throughout your time making music and meeting other MCs um, in making friends, like it's just making friends with other rappers. Like, do you ever just come away thinking like, wow, like I'm really, I'm just really happy to be in this position. I've worked this hard just so I could live my life. And I, now I'm around other poets. I'm around other artists and, and we can really pick each other's brain. Like, do you ever have those moments?
1: Oh yeah. All the time. Um, I always say I'm in a very privileged position. Um, because to be able to entertain people with words for a living, you know, I, I come from a working background. So it always amazes me to be able to live off of music and also look to the right and see my peers and look to the left and see my peers. Um, I would have never thought I would, you know, to work do work with LL Cool J or Kanye or Drake, you know, like even though Drake came on after me, you know, it's it's a blessing. And I, I, I honor it. You know, I don't, I don't take advantage of it at all. Like I'm, I understand the place that I'm in. And even though, you know, you're supposed to own your, your destiny and own, you know, your talent. I also understand that it could be taken away from me at any given point. So I do my best to uphold the standard and legacy of lyricism to a high standard and quality. Um, because it, again, it's a, it's a
0: privilege to be here. Yeah, man. Just uh yeah, no, thank you. That was very well put. Uh, yeah, like it's just even in like a, this like time frame of just being alive and seeing how things are changing. Um, so many of my this has actually been a common thread with my guests. We've talked a lot about um, social media and how it feels like two, with the pandemic, everything going on. Um, it feels like humans are getting more out of touch with uh, what makes us us our emotions and shit because uh, we're not around each other enough. Um I just wanna ask you what what are your thoughts on social media and just like how it affects people? Um,
1: you know, social media is it's a way of life. So people live their lives off of social media. I remember when I first you know, when I first started getting on social media, this was in the AOL days, and people would call people creeps (laughs) the women online right like and the streets definitely didn't know anything about it because like there was no access to computers there was no such thing as smartphones early on so a lot of times guys had to go to the library like if you was and niggas is not going to the library to get on the internet so there was no such thing as access to the internet um But I was always online. So social media has been a part of my life for the past, I want to say, 22 years. Like I've been online consistently since 1999. Um, And I kind of knew that the world was going to move and shift to that space of, you know, being a a media, a social media driven world. Um, Because there were a lot of people that were online. They would go on on lying under, at their work computers and some families had one computer. You would go on that computer and you would be able to kind of chat with people. Um, so I already knew that that's where it would head to. I just didn't know that I would be able to make money off of this. Um, so for me, social media is a business, but for other people, it's pleasure. It's their lifestyle. It's, it's their uh, leisure. And they get caught up in it and they get sucked into this, virtual reality world right based around a concept of you being able to communicate with people just via without having to look up you know you can look down at your phone you could be on your laptop and just avoid everybody so social media is definitely the new wave of communication uh, and people take that extremely seriously
0: well well yeah and the thing is like I agree like what when you right in that moment when you said it is I look at it for business like that makes sense because you know you are the a type of person. I feel like you took your career into your own hands, and part of that element was you utilizing the internet to create your fan base in a sense. And I, I you know what? Oh, what was I gonna say? Um, it's funny. Like I, especially with me, I wouldn't even have this chance to talk. Talk to you if I didn't use social media and I didn't message you uh, about Street Fighter and stuff. So it's like it's it, it's really interesting like to see how how things can happen where yeah it can be a, a tool. It can be an effort for communication. You know you can really it, it can give you a chance to communicate with really interesting people, but also then you have the dark side of it. And I just appreciate you know you uh saying uh, what you said because you're a really well respected figure and. You know, I think people need to hear that. Where it's like, yeah, you know, I I have a discipline with this. I have to use this for this because I have time. Like, like for instance, you have a kid. You have to write. You're working on an album. Like, you know, you had you you're, you're smart with your time for a reason. And I just want to just say thank you for for coming on my podcast. I appreciate. Um, just like I said, man. Like I like again, this isn't the big biggest podcast on the planet, but I appreciate you. Uh, just coming down and like really uh, just. Telling your story, and I just want to ask you, um, if you could give any advice to young artists or just just people like on the come up right now, trying to like build themselves up, what would that advice be?
1: Um, it's something that L. Cool J told me. Um, don't make decisions from your mind, and don't make decisions from your heart. Make decisions from your your gut, and your inner spirit. Um, If you make decisions from your mind, you're going to always think about what the outcome of the decision would have been. If you make decisions from your heart, you're going to be emotional about it. And you're going to always lament over it. If you make decisions from your gut, no matter what happens, whether good or bad, you'll be fine with that decision. So make decisions from your inner spirit that you can live with, whether
0: it's good or bad. Wow. Well, that, I don't know if there's an, an, any other way to end the podcast. That was really beautiful. Hey, Mickey, Um, thank you for coming on the show uh, once again, brother. I appreciate your time. And uh, I'm excited for your project. You're working on Mickey Mouse right now, you said.
1: Yeah, I'm going to start on it tomorrow. Um, I think it's time. You know, I, it's already written. Um, It's just a matter of going in and recording it and and preparing it for the people uh, for March 26th
0: mickey thank you so much i'm gonna i'm gonna be plugging it i'm gonna be listening to it and like i said uh this this means the world to me man Uh, i i respect you i look up to you you're a hell of an artist a lyricist and uh again man you're you're a fucking true uh you're a true samurai this shit so i salute you my friend thank you mickey okay god bless god bless you take care brother thank you